Well, howdy, y'all. Welcome in to South of Scruffy Podcast. My name is Ben Fields. This is it. You made it. SOS 100. It's our 100th episode of South of Scruffy. Thank you guys for sticking around with us for for all this time. Uh, when we started the podcast back at the beginning of 2020, we uh, looked around at the marketplace to see if anybody else was doing this kind of thing, if there was a need for us to even make this podcast and to do it. And one of the things that we noticed was that a lot of these podcasts that had a similar idea, which is, you know, shining a light on the arts and entertainment scene in, in Knoxville, uh, particularly, but East Tennessee, the whole state, um, a lot of these podcasts had, had started, but they had gotten three, four, 10, 18 episodes in and they had stopped. And so when we started this, one of the things that we made sure that we were going to do was not make five episodes and stop. And so releasing our hundredth episode of this podcast is, you know, it feels kind of like a big deal to us because, you know, we, we knew we were going to do it for this long, but I'm sure that the marketplace had been so used to seeing these things start and stop that um, maybe they weren't sure that we were going to make it to a hundred episodes, but we have. And uh, that's because of the listeners and the people that have continued to listen in. I said, I think on the first episode of South of Scruffy that um, as soon as it was just my parents listening to the podcast, that's when I was going to quit doing it. And, you know, that's been far from how this has played out. And so, uh, I thought we'd do something a little bit special for this hundredth episode milestone, uh, which seems like a big deal to us may not be in the big picture, but you know, it, it feels big right now. Uh, one of those things that we're going to do that's, that's kind of special is, is we're going back and we're doing a recap episode. And what we did is we reached out to the patrons on Patreon, uh, the people who make up that community who support this podcast on a monthly basis and we polled them and asked them what their best, what their most favorite moments were from South of Scruffy 1 through 99. And uh, we got a bunch of responses. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to go through them as, as they come off here. But uh, I just want to let you know that as we're talking about the Patreon crowd, I, w- I want to call them all out by name because not all of them, but the ones that, that are here recently that that haven't gotten a shout out yet uh, that really help make this happen and uh, that we appreciate so much. And, you know, me and Sam Thomas, the the producer of this podcast, who we wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to do this without. Um, Sam is, is such a cheerleader for this thing and, and is such a, uh, such a force that makes it keep moving. Um, but there's a lot of other people out there who, who help this thing move too. And, and and those are the patrons and 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 most recently we got Ben Meadows in in Birmingham, uh, and Barbara Carr in Knoxville, Jonathan Williams in Knoxville, Ted Fields he's in South Carolina, Mary Ellen Dover South Carolina, John Trippett, New York City, Alice and Ed are in Knoxville, uh, Nick Barnett he's in Chattanooga, uh, Brian Sanders Ryan Tenry Bo Shipley Knoxville, Matthew Zachary Memphis Nick Spar. Blake Dockery, Knoxville. Thanks to all those patrons. You guys are kicking ass and making this thing go around. And and I'm sure the the listeners appreciate it. And I know I appreciate it. I know Sam appreciates it. So thank you guys for helping us. Another special thing that we wanted to do for this podcast was we wanted to, it's like a baseball card for this podcast. If you're not sure about NFTs and how all that stuff works. We've got a link in the Instagram bio that will uh, take you to the OpenSea Marketplace where you can acquire that NFT if you want. Uh, There'll probably be an auction for it. Uh, And then after that, whoever wins the auction, you can offer to buy it from them too. But I thought that was kind of a cool way that we could do something special for this, uh, something that was a little bit different. 
and also who knows where the NFT space is going to go. It's kind of interesting to see uh, that whole uh, world rise right before our eyes. So uh, I wanted to get in on that. And I thought that this would be a good time to do that. It may not be the last NFT that we meant, but uh, it's certainly the first. And uh, it's in there. You should check it out. Uh, the link in the Instagram bio. All right. Well, we've got a few different moments here that the that the patrons voted on as their as their favorite moments and uh they're in no particular order at all but uh we uh just kind of ordered them ourselves here and the first one that uh we're going to get into is rebecca ridner which was episode number three and the uh the anecdote of her uh of her joining a cult you guys want to hear it it's pretty good all right, here's uh, here's me and Rebecca Ridner talking about that time she joined a cult. We're doing the podcast. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah. I came back to Tennessee to join a cult, you know, but <laughs> do we want to talk about that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I don't think anybody, you know, I've not heard of Have a lot of people. Have you had anybody join a cult in your podcast yet? No, I hadn't had anybody... <laughs> Moved to Tennessee to join a cult from Florida. Yeah. That's a good reason to, right? Yeah, Why not? It must have been a good cult. I mean, I mean <laughs> the recruiting efforts were solid if you're hearing about it three states away. Um, what was that? How, what? How, how, what? Jeez. <laughs> um, um, oh, okay. Um, so they did have good recruiting for college students. Um, <laughs> both my sisters went there. and To actually, the cult? Yeah. I was in, um, I was going to school actually in Tampa for my first semester, my freshman year at um, South Florida USF. Oh, yeah. And I was having fun, like just living the party life, college life. Um, maybe a little too much, but I... So my sisters were going there. I got, you know, everybody's nice and it's fun. And um, it was like clean college fun, kind of like whatever that means. But um, both your sisters went to USF. No, this is at UT. Okay. Gotcha. So, so then I transferred to UT. Gotcha. And um, I think it was probably like, I mean, just honestly, I think I probably just felt like guilty about how I was living my life and wanted to be better. And so I got, sucked into this space this place and uh then i was under that for like a long time i got married there had kids there did you meet somebody there my ex-husband at the cult yeah (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah that's where we met and so your sisters brought you in (laughs) they sucked me in you met your you met (laughs) your husband there yeah i was only 20 when we got engaged we'd only dated for six weeks okay and got engaged um did that feel good did you feel like uh, you were like you're shedding all this stuff you were guilty about and i don't know that it felt good i think it just felt like different maybe and then you just kind of get sucked into it and you keep moving along and you know it's like i mean that's sad i was i was young and i was just trying to be something I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, I look back on it now and it's like totally not who I am at all. So I don't, but I think I was just rebelling against who I really am and trying to like probably thought who I really am is wrong. Gotcha. Which is a sad thing to, to be, yeah. place to be, to think like yeah. to reject yourself that hard to then to let someone else tell you who you are. And so I just slipped into that space of allowing someone else to, to tell me who I was, other people to tell me who I was. Mm-hmm. And then, and also not even just who I was, but what I wanted in life. And so I ended up there and then ended up married really young. And then I ended up with four kids by the time I was 27. Yeah. So, um, you know. That was quick. Yeah. Six all, weeks dating, married at 20. Yeah. All seven my, years later, four kids. Yeah. Gotcha. All my 20s were spent like basically having babies and raising them mm-hmm. i mean still obviously have the kids and raising yeah. them but they're sweet all of them yeah i yeah. have great kids i mean yeah. that's and i'm thankful for them but i don't know that it was ever like 
it was a conscious decision to be there, but at some point it's like I just skipped into autopilot maybe and just like allowed things to almost happen to me mm-hmm. instead of um, really being a conscious like creator of my life. Yeah. And so I think I've spent the last couple of years taking that back and yeah. deciding like remembering who I am and like returning to the, to that person and undoing a lot of my life. Yeah. And, um, and it feels really good. Good. So, so was there like, I don't know. It sounds like there was some, was that like, I don't know. It almost feels like guilt of like, man, I'm, I'm fucking up. Like I'm not doing the right stuff. I, I need to be doing something better. And then you, you find something that makes you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I've shed that old, like, you well, it's kind of like someone said, okay, well, here's the way to be good. Here's the way yeah. to like live your life in a way, like almost like this is the recipe. And if you do these things, then your life will turn out good and you'll yeah. have this family and you'll have this space. And, you know, I think Their I was probably hungry for like a family yeah. life that like I didn't have or whatever. Gotcha. So I just thought like, oh, like there's like this guaranteed space mm-hmm. to like have this family life. That this thing that you didn't have that I didn't and have, felt like you missed. You know, missed or wanted. And, um, and just like, especially for women, it was just, it's a very oppressive place for women to be. And the way that- Just like your job is to serve your husband or what? I mean, what- Exactly. Like your husband's like makes your decisions for you. And- You don't seem like someone who- (laughs) Let's people make decisions for me, especially men. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. It's, it's- crazy to me that it seems so much different than like how i know you you know it doesn't sound it doesn't line up with with what i know about you i feel like i know you a little bit anyway well you know the thing is too i got really sick after a while from being there and i think my body was just but like i got really sick against yeah exactly (laughs) like i went to all these different doctors for like two years kept trying to figure stuff out and um and my body was just like giving out on me i was like i was like 30 and my body was just like just like giving out and I couldn't figure it out. But I think I was just living under such oppression and suppressing myself and like who I really am. Like my soul was just like fighting against me to not be in that space anymore. Like this is not who you are. And once we left that. that, You guys all left together? We did. Yeah. I started like kind of having these breakdowns. Like I can't do this anymore. I can't be here. Like I don't care. Just got to go. And you know, my ex-husband did like he was came with me and he, could, he couldn't see it as well because it was a lot easier for men than it was for yeah. women. And he would say the, same, the one being oppressed. Yeah, he would <laughs> say the same thing. And it's still like crazy, the shit they tell men, too. But it's um, easier, a much easier place to be. Um, I have a friend who is a black woman and she said, man, when I get reincarnated, I'm going to come back as a what, white man in that church. <laughs> She's like, they got it made. <laughs> Damn, that is so harsh. (laughs) Was it like a Christian type thing? Yes, it is. And it's just like, it's just. It is? It's still a thing? It's still a thing in town. Bummer. So, I mean, I still know people that go there. I see them around town a lot. Um, Are they like, are you afraid that they're going to walk up to you and be like, help me? (laughs) You know, for a while I just tried to avoid people because I'm like, it was so triggering to me to see um, that. But I'm in a space now where I'm okay with it. And, you know, people are just where they're at and they make their own, they're, yeah. I don't know. It's just, you, when you're in it, it's really hard to see it. Like once I'm out, I'm like, holy shit. And like, it's also voluntary, right? Like people are, are it's somewhat voluntary, get in, voluntarily get involved in it. Yeah. It's yeah. voluntary, but it's, um, it's, it's a lot of fear based yeah. around things. And so there's just a lot of fear that if you don't follow things a certain way or, or if you try to leave or whatever, I mean, they there, say there they make like, it easy to leave, but it's just not yeah, it's easy not, to leave. It's like unsubscribing from, you know, an email. <laughs> <From anything. laughs> <laughs> They're like, are you sure you want to? Yeah. But why? <laughs> That's when they send the sale, the sales team back in, exactly. right? Yeah. So well, I'm glad you made it out. It, me too. And I kind of just went out the back door one day. I was like, I'm not coming back to this place. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think I met you kind of after that, right. probably. But we have talked a little bit about that before. Yeah, we had, I had a, we, no idea. We had a conference. I think I unloaded all this to you on a Christmas party at one time <laughs> or somewhere. Yeah, where, where, where were we? We were that loft above Clancy's. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there was yeah. like a yeah. part. 
Yeah. Christmas we party chatted or something. For, for an hour. And I think I just like unloaded it all on you one day. I was I've, like, I've I'm done. getting divorced and I was in a cult and like all these things. You're like, oh, great. No, I think you came up and you were like, <laughs> be on my podcast. I've been taking too much Zyrtec. <laughs> <laughs> Side effects, divorce. Yeah. <laughs> they don't print that on, they on, should. on the label. <laughs> oh, it's funny as hell. So now you're in this like almost this stage of being able to live your live the life that you, you never got to like you, at my 20s I, I don't remember them but I'm sure they were great you know <laughs> <laughs> and, well so I've been uh, intentionally undoing for the last we left the church in 2012 church cult and then um I kind of left Christianity altogether after yeah. that and then I left my husband, or we got divorced a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago, and we were married for 15 years. So, you know, it's a big thing. Yeah. It's a lot to, un- years, a lot to undo yeah. all that. And it's really hard. And I still was in a space where I kind of felt like I had to fight my way out of the marriage. Um, he, yeah. you know, he, it was, it's tough. it was just it a hard thing, but I just knew I couldn't be there anymore. I just knew like I was in this space where I, was remembering who I was and I had to, I had, like, it was the most important thing to me. Like, I have to know who I am. Yeah. And I just, and you have to realize it and, and, have, and make it happen. Right. Because if not, then you're going to wake up and be 75 and regret the shit yeah. out of your entire life. Yeah. I got, like, my, I felt like, I really feel like my soul was just like, you have this thing in you that needs to be out and you've been suppressing it and like not acknowledging it. And, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah, so like, awesome. it was like all of a sudden, like I was like awake and that's I could awesome. see these things. And once I could see it, I was like, I can't unsee this. Mm-hmm. I have to, have to follow this. And so really I've kind of like been on this journey of following where my soul's leading me and what, what it's telling me and where I'm going. And cause I do feel like it has this plan for me and, and it's been a lot of undoing, like I said, so that was the divorce and, then there's like this year of just moving out and moving to a new space and um, being on my own and having my kids half the time. So it was like, which was like hard, but also then all of a sudden I had these whole weeks where it was just me that I had to take care of. And, and you know, I've never even lived by myself. Right. And since, so uh, since you were a child, right. pretty much. Yeah, right? I never lived by myself as a child either. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so this yeah. is the first time I've ever lived, lived by myself. And so I'd have these whole weeks where I would just be being by myself and I'd be like, this is fucking amazing (laughs) (laughs) so Rebecca Ridner joins a cult there's more to that that was a good episode Uh, one of the one of the fan favorites here you should check out the whole thing if you haven't heard it so this next one we're going to go to, this is, uh, this is Ryan Stasek. Ryan Stasek is the bass player for Umphreys McGee. Uh, he and I got together in Isle of Palms, South Carolina, about a year ago, about a year and a half ago. It was right when all the George Floyd stuff was going down. Um, there was a, there were, you know, riots in downtown Charleston, the, the, um, streets were getting shut down at night. So Ryan and I were able to, uh, sneak in uh, a podcast when I was down there, um, kind of right before the curfew. Uh, but Ryan's wife, uh, Mary Welch Fox Stasek, uh, has a television show called breaking bland on HGTV. She did not have that show at the time when we were down there, or I would have talked to her too. Uh, but maybe that's, maybe that's next time, uh, that we go down there. But anyway, this, this conversation with Ryan, is about uh, the moment that um, that Umphreys McGee knew that it was happening and knew that it was working. Uh, I think I kicked it off by asking, "What was the first holy shit moment for them?" And uh, this is uh, this is this is Ryan Stasek giving his recount of the moment that the rubber hit the road for Umphreys McGee. So uh, you guys are, are are in the van and you're, and you're starting to tour around. What was the what was the first like? What was the first holy shit moment for the band? Like I cannot believe that we're in this in um, in this position. Was it a festival? You know, playing in front of a bunch of people, or was you know, did you book a, a, a you know an, an arena? Or, you know, what, yeah. What I mean, the there's 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 a bunch of those. There's a bunch of those. The first time, I mean, 
the first thing when it got real was when we set out to go on tour for over six weeks in gotcha. a row. And we, that you was know, the West, out West. Went out West. And, and like up. Pacific we, Northwest, California, the Colorado. The whole West, all, yeah. of, all of that. All of that. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, broke. Yeah. You know, we had to sublet people in our apartment for those six weeks so they would pay so we could cover the rent back home. Still in Chicago. Still in Chicago. Yeah. Um, trust them to live yeah, in our yeah. homes. You yeah. Know? And then go on the road and each night cover the expenses because nobody knows who we are. Right. And we're playing the, you know, we still don't do well in Seattle. 22 years we've been really? playing. We still suck in Seattle. What the hell? It's not, it's something about the Pacific Northwest that uh, we don't drive large numbers and that's just a fact that is interesting i'm okay with that yeah um now it's more about being strategic uh, Mm -hmm. in a business you know um has nothing to do with the people of seattle seattle's rocking town super fun yeah i love it too just never done well (laughs) so trying to do this for a first time no one's even ever heard of us we did british columbia at the time too now and it was an experience was that the first international uh what that is a good question it might have been yeah. for, for Humphreys. Get, yeah. get the passports Canada. out, cross yeah. the border. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah. It, no, it, it was more than that. There's a story to this, actually. I bet, I bet the um, van got searched pretty good Well, customs. Well, well the, the, that's the story. So, you know, we were young, hippie-looking kids, but yeah. there was a semi-truck with a um, graffiti on the side that said, Risky Business. Mm-hmm. And it was pulled over at the same time, and there were dogs and the, the full yeah. you know, thing. At so, the border? Yeah. yeah. So when we came through, they took us out. They made us empty the trailer, which is packed full. Oh, they, did the, they did the whole thing. And we were kind of laughing because they were like, do you know what's over there? And we're like, no. They're like, wait till you see the news tonight. And there was something. Um, guy had $40,000 in, uh, in the cab, and then there was a ton of cocaine. Like one of the like largest busts. Uh, yeah, like a, a ton. I don't know if it was a literal ton, but it was it was a newsworthy. Yeah. And the the funny part is the cops are telling us as they're searching through our thing, they're like, look at the look at his truck. And it says risky business. Yeah. <laughs> like you're just Give me a break, dude. Give me a break. What yeah. So thinking? that was they were super cool with us crossing. And of course we ended up playing in British Columbia, which was camped out on the beach, slept on the nice. beach. Um uh, the experience was awesome. The money was not, Yeah, you know, and, and the people that were there, I mean, it's one of those memories that we have. I mean, we're playing rooms to like seven people. Yeah. 16 people. So you people. didn't have a following or did at no, that point? No, no. And this is way before social media. I think um, cell phones were yeah. just becoming um, a regular thing yeah. for people. Like the flip phone may have mm-hmm. come out and if you could take a grainy picture on the flip phone or have a ringtone that was in, you know, yeah. in three little dings or something, yeah. that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, we the technology had not progressed at all. And this was another time, too, because if you didn't make what we call bus call or if like, you were leaving town, yeah. there was no way to get hold of each other. Right. You know, you had to figure yeah. it out old school way. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Back, like like when I was in high school or when we were a kid, if if you rode over, you're like, oh, everybody's bikes in the front lawn. That's where everybody is. Yeah, exactly. You know? You know, and you have your meeting spots. You got to go find each other. Did so you that ever tour, miss it? I did not. Yeah. Um, a few of us did, though. A few of us did. There's some. There's some great stories on on those too. But yeah. but that that run was the real eye opener. Being like, wow, um, that was amazing. We didn't do very well financially. Mm-hmm. We're all burned out because mm-hmm. we went really hard. And yeah. It was fun. And then we we slowly adapted and learned from there. We're like, okay, so this is a business. We need to treat it like one. Yeah. And we need to become strategic. And we need to figure out how we can support bigger bands that are in different areas where mm-hmm. we're unknown. How do we get on festivals? Um, you know, Fish was uh, was the the leader of the jam band scene. And I think in 04, they took a hiatus. Yeah. And that was huge because- Big for you guys? Big for all touring bands. Yeah. You know, we did this thing called the Big Summer Classic with String Cheese Incident, Yonder yeah. Mountain String Band, Michael Fronty. Yeah, at Red um, Rocks, right? Everywhere we oh, did the whole oh, okay. the whole tour the whole summer. It was it was a tour, big so summer it classic. Was a, it was it was a tour, and, and we were trying had, to do baseball stadiums and yeah. things. It was like a fest, like a traveling festival. Yeah, new it, monsoon. Well, you had twenty five thousand displaced fish fans at any moment. Tra- yeah, you know that needed a place to go. Yeah, and a lot of people say that 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 happened when the dead went away too. Right? Is is a lot of that moved over to fish because sure. people needed a place to go. Yeah, and, and I mean it's a scene. Yeah, it's I a mean, scene. It's definitely a scene. Yeah, and so you guys picked up some. You guys picked up some some attention from from that scene in 2004 when Fish went on their second. Yeah, I'd say year. a little bit. You know, we were definitely in house. I mean, Relics was friends of ours, and yeah, and we got some promotion through them, and that's very niche to, to get the, that your, scene. Uh, one of your songs on their CDs definitely. that used to come in. Definitely, the, yeah. yeah, that was. We great have a, we were we were on the cover one time that uh, it was the worst cover ever. 
I, I would joke around like, did anybody, did someone take his picture and then say, is this good? Did anybody ask anybody? And I look at him like, this is the wor- this is the worst cover I've ever seen. I mean, I thought someone was playing a joke on us. Yeah. And they're like, let's just take the worst pictures of these guys that we can, throw them on the front and be like, Kung Fu. Like, who, who fucking thought of this? It's, it's really bad. It's, it makes me laugh how bad it is. It's pretty yeah. funny. All right. That's pretty good. I like the story about the uh, about the worst relics cover ever made. Ryan, I'm sure that wasn't it, but I did go back and look at it and it was pretty rough. So point taken. All right. The uh, next one, the next clip, uh, me and uh, this was me and Chris Blue talking. Uh, let's see. He was episode number 22. So that would have been a 2020. Um somewhere middle of the year so this would have been summertime uh maybe maybe uh april or may probably when he came over and man me and chris hit it off great he is a fantastic dude one of the kindest men i've ever met and he is he is uh he's really done well for himself he's come back to knoxville and started a family still doing his music which is great uh but this is the story of uh of Chris's whole kind of audition process uh, from when he auditions to the voice for the voice until he won the voice in 2017. He went from thousands of entrants into this contest called the voice. And he was the last man standing. He won the whole thing, which is pretty fascinating. And he deserved it. He's a great musician. He's a great singer. He's a great performer. So this is his story. This is it. This is the whole uh, the whole deal from from start to finish that that got him all the way down. Here it is, uh, me and Chris Blue. I think you ought to do it with me. And I'm just like, nah, <laughs> it's not my thing. Not for me. Like, because if I go if I go and do the voice, I'm a I'm a legit solo artist. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I wasn't quite ready for that right you didn't you didn't you didn't want to commit to that just no, yet no, 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 yeah no, no. you at, wanted to be part of an outfit of and at the time part? i felt like i was you know turning my back on my family you yeah. know because we had all because your your brothers yeah. you've done stuff together yeah you yeah. know it was hard for oh, me bro tough. like it brought me to tears I just thinking about it you yeah. know what i mean like legit tears i was i remember i was sitting at a park and i'm bawling my eyes out because i think if i if i do this right I'm going to let my brothers down, let right. my family down, let the church down. Yeah. Like, gosh, people are going to hate me. Yeah. You know, um, but some pressure there. It's self-imposed yeah, pressure. Right. Yeah. Self-imposed. Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was all an illusion. And and I guess you ended up going with her, with Amy to audition for The Voice. Didn't well, you? it's funny that we didn't end up going together. You but didn't? I did go. Okay. Yeah. So where was it? In Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Yeah, man. Drove down to Atlanta and is a cattle call. There yeah. were open call. thousands of people. Dude, oh my God. My feet still hurt. <laughs> I bet. Did you wait in line around a building? Yes. Yeah. It wrapped three times. So I'm walking up to the building, right? And I'm like, oh, the door's right over there. I couldn't see the line for whatever reason. Yeah. As I'm walking toward the door. Yeah. And I get, you know, to the front. And the closer I get to the door, I'm seeing people and then more people. And I'm seeing people like point like this, like, nope. It's back there. You just got to keep walking back that way. Mm-hmm. I'm like walking, dude. I walked. I wrapped around the building twice. Oh man, twice. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a convention center. No, it wasn't even the the Voice. No, it, yeah, was, it was at the convention was. center. Bro. Oh, gotcha. it was for the Voice. It was yeah, yeah. It was for the Voice, but it was and at it was the a, a two block building that was Basically. completely wrapped in yeah, people yes, twice. Yes. <laughs> yes. My feet are still bleeding, man. I bet. How long were you in line? Gosh. Uh... I got in line around 5.30, thinking I'm early. A.M.? A.M., yeah. And I didn't get inside the building until, gosh, was it 1 o'clock? No. No, 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 no. 12.30, something like that. Yeah. 12 or Six one. or seven hours? Six or seven hours, just standing, yeah. Yeah, so what's that like? Do they let you sing a song, or do you sing two bars, and they let you keep going if you're good? It's, yeah, it was pretty uh, wicked, man. We got yeah. in a room, and I sang, I think I sang the longest out of everyone that was in the room with well, me. yeah. And then they asked me to sing another song. 
It's like, that's, okay, well. That's good news. It was, yeah. right? Because I'm the only person who got to sing Zoo songs. Yeah. I'm like, hey, this is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm dancing in my mind. So I sing another song and, you know, I get the whole stop, you know, you know, the hand to stop. And I get this red slip and I'm like, oh, crap, I'm getting evicted. <laughs> But apparently the red slip was a good slip. Okay. And I'm the only person that got to slip. Really? Yeah, man. Out of the whole crew in Atlanta or just out of that room? Out of that room. Okay. How yeah. many people did they take from Atlanta? Oh, I don't know. Um, what was it like after after that? What's the next step from a, a regional audition? Yeah. You know, well, for the voice. Well, I, I went back four days later. So, I so drove a call back? back? To, yeah, a call back to Atlanta. Cool. And so I had to do a whole nother long day of really? singing and interviews and waiting, which I was extremely nervous so about. So it's not just about your your talent and your voice. They interview you and see how oh, you, yeah. Yeah, they, they want to know if you they got the chops, the they personality. You, they want to know if you've got the story, everything. Yeah. Everything. This is for TV, right? Like, it, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I get it. It's TV. <laughs> yeah. It's the voice yeah. on TV. Yeah. So it's, you know, they have to produce a, a, a good show. And so, yeah. Oh gosh. How'd that go? The second the callback. How'd the callback go? I thought it went great. Really? I did. Yeah. But then when you don't hear anything for like mm-hmm. sixty days. Yeah. No news is right. not always good news <laughs> right, in this right. business. Right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm sitting there waiting by the phone, like, I mean, you know. <laughs> So did I get through or <laughs> did I put the wrong phone number down? Right. All right everything. Crap. I gave him the wrong address. I'll put a zero instead of she a one. You said 60 days before you even heard from him? Yeah, it was him? about 60 days, bro. Had you forgotten about it by then or was it still on your oh, radar? No, no, no it was, I was still. Calling, I was calling friends who had auditioned for the show to like, I had a, I had a buddy um, in Nashville um, who's there now. Uh, he was on the season before mine. Okay, so you had a little mentorship going on. A little, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. slight did, mentorship. Yeah, slight, slight, slight. Because yeah. he was on the show, so he didn't have a whole lot of time. But right. When I did connect with him, he said, "Look, man, don't worry about it. You'll be just fine." Da 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 da. I thought he was just, you know, BSing me. But, yeah, yeah. But he wasn't. Like he was, you know, for real. Um. So after about fifty something days, I get this random email. Right. And I'm like. <laughs> I'm breaking my computer to open it up. <laughs> open it up, open it up. So I'm reading the email and I'm just like, oh my, it's like getting accepted into the college we always wanted to I bet. get into, man. I bet. And it wasn't even in, like an, an invitation to go to the show. It was an invitation for another callback. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, man. It was crazy. You're lucky that I didn't go to spam. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? So, um, so yeah, I went out to LA after that. Cool. So that email was the executive call, get to LA. We did that. I stayed in LA for a week. Wow. Were you working every day or auditioning every day or? No, no, no. You had like a set day. Like everyone we audition, you have like, um, we're there for, for the seven days, but they break it up to like, you perform maybe half of that time. Okay. So. Did they have you perform multiple times then? You have to come prepared with like three songs. Yeah. But yeah, it's all in one day. And How many people were there for that? You remember? Oh, man. <clears throat> I think for my week, I think it was 1,200. <laughs> and, and that was one of multiple weeks? That was that one of multiple weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was Chris. nuts. 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 How'd you like LA? Is that the first time you'd been to That's LA? my first time I've ever going to LA. Really? Dude. Oh, man. I What'd was, you think? Were you big eyed? <laughs> I was. Yeah. You could tell I was a country boy too. Like Really? Yeah, man. I probably embarrassed us. I'm walking down Hollywood Boulevard taking pictures on every corner. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Being like a, a a tourist in a not so tourist, you know, city. But did you like it? I loved First it. time you went? And I loved it. I yeah. did. I hated the food because I'm used to Southern food. Yeah. They don't have a lot of that. Nah. Roscoe's is pretty good. Roscoe's was. It's the closest thing you're going to get yeah. to some Southern hospitality, if you yeah. know what I mean. You I used to live about three blocks from a Roscoe's and I was there all the time. Where are you? Yeah. I lived. In, uh, I lived. Uh, did you spend some time in LA a little bit yeah, while you were yeah, on the yeah. show and all yeah, that? Yeah. I lived uh, on Sunset and Gower. Mm-hmm. So kind of you look up Gower, you see the Hollywood sign. Perfect. Yeah, so I was yeah. kind of in that part of. Nice. Just, yeah. Just just south of just south of Hollywood and Highland a little bit. And, nice. And there was a Roscoe's right up the street and I was there all the time. You couldn't take the south out of me. I used to go to the one in West Hollywood all the time. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They're good. I, th- I think they use some 
some different kind of seasonings and butters. I, on I, I think they do too I'm to keep you, you coming back. Right, I'm telling you, man. There's crazy. a line out of that place at four in the morning. <laughs> Every morning, right? <laughs> I know. Yes. Like, how are y'all doing this? <laughs> they kill the game, bro. Every yeah, time. they do. So that was your that was your first time to LA. You were there for a week to to audition your your second callback for the voice. Yeah. And did you have to wait another sixty days after that was over? Um, yes. You did? No, did you come wasn't, you came back home after that? I and, did. I yeah. did. I came back home, but I knew I'd made the show. Oh, really? Yes. But you couldn't tell anybody. But could I couldn't you? say anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's man. how they made you sign NDAs and all yep. that. All yeah. of that. All yeah. of that. It was so crazy because after I got back to the hotel, I went on the last day of the auditioning process during mm-hmm. the executive week. Right, which is so funny now that I think about it. So I'm there last day. What's the executive week? That's just the what That's they call when, it. When, yeah, yeah. When like the executive producers are gotcha. all in one room, like the like a bunch of people who are high up, you know, in the show. They they come and they listen to all the artists and right. they decide, okay, who's going to have an opportunity to get on the show? Yeah. And so I go on the last day of executive week, and I get back to the hotel. I go up to my room. I hear this voice, you know, within me say, like, go to your room and just start praying. So I did. I went to my room, dude. I started praying. I started speaking every language I could possibly think of <laughs> to God, like, please help, you yeah. know, be here. And then I heard him say, stop at 630. It's like, okay, that's weird. So I stopped praying at 630. Walk downstairs. And as soon as I got downstairs, I'm no, I noticed this like huge crowd of, of people like, you know, kind of gathered around this one lady who's shouting out names. So I get over there and I kind of like squeeze and make my way to the front of this, you know, large crowd. And this lady, uh, she finishes the names and everybody's like, oh. so I didn't hear my name. So I started to walk away and she was like, wait, 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 are you, wait, what's your name? I was like, Chris, are you Chris Blue? Yeah, I need you in this room. <laughs> so like, Did you oh, miss your name? You missed her call it the first time. Name, bro. You should have stopped praying at six twenty nine. Right. It's <laughs> right. like God. Was that you? Or was that me? <laughs> Mess me up, dude. <laughs> so, so she was she was letting everybody know who made the show. Basically, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they pulled this in the room, and they were like, "If you are in this room, this is good news." And from there, everybody in the room, you know, went up in an uproar. So. Oh, I'll bet that was crazy, man. It was. It was. So how many people is that at that point? How many people are on a season? Um, like our, I said, I keep putting you on the spot. I'm so no, sorry. Good. No, <laughs> Just good. trying to give context. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> our, you're good. Our season, um, we had 100 people. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. That went through the blind audition process. And the blind audition is where all the judges have their back turned yeah. to you. And yeah. they, they don't care how you look. They don't yeah. care how good you dance. Yeah. They just go on your voice. Yeah, man. It's all about the voice. And man. then how does that, how does that, uh, how does that work? There's, is there four judges? Is that right? Yeah. Four judges. And then they each get to pick a team. So four judges, um, have 12 slots on okay. their team. Right? Okay. So the hundred goes down to 48. Yes. Okay. Instantly. Okay. Um, and then. Is that part of the show? Yeah. So that's like the first couple episodes of the show, I guess, or the yeah. blind yeah. auditions. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so once the teams are filled, yeah, then you have the next round, which is the battle rounds. Gotcha. So the coaches then um, pair their artists, you know, with each other and they battle each other. Oh, wow. They sing the exact same song, but... Ah, whoever does it better goes on? Exactly. Okay, so so after you after you knew you were on the show and you had to come back to Knoxville and not tell anybody about it, how long were you How long were you back here? Oh, gosh. Um, month, couple months? Oh, I think, okay, a couple months because yeah. I, I didn't go back until the end of January, mid-January, end of January. I think I went back. That's a good time to be in Southern California. Yeah, man. <laughs> Absolutely. I didn't yeah. have a jacket in uh, sight. No, 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 no. Not Anywhere. a rain jacket, not a warm jacket, nothing. nothing. You don't need it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was good, man. Was that was it hard to to like I'm sure you told your parents or your you know, whoever, people closest to you. I mean, yeah, but, I told them. Yeah. You know, but you couldn't say anything else to anybody. To anybody. That's and, nuts. You know, it was like it was really hard to not tell people to you know, hey, just keep watching. Yeah. I promise you I'm going to be on the show. You'll see my face. And like day one came, day two, three. 
and I'm not on the show and everybody's hitting me up like bruh you're lying you said you was on the show you didn't make it did you you just trying to get us to keep watching to give them ratings but you didn't make the show tell the truth and I was like no just keep watching I promise y'all to see me well did you at least get through I don't want to you know sit in front of the television every night waiting on you and you didn't even get through and I'm hearing all this stuff man I'm just like y'all just give me a break here man I'm trying to do the right thing I signed the NDA they can sue me yeah they can sue me for millions of dollars and I just got no help man I got no help but you know there was a faithful few they continue to watch and so I appreciate all you guys yeah so so after so the blind auditions are multiple shows and and so you went back out to LA yeah after a couple months back in Knoxville keeping your mouth shut not telling right. anybody anything I know hard. and then were you toward you were towards the end right yeah I was the very last contestant so I was on that's why I said like before it was crazy man when I did exec week I was the last artist <laughs> I went on the last day of that week and then when it came down to the actual blind auditions I was the last artist on the last day. You think, does part of you think they were building this drama? They had to, bro. Like, come on, man. You don't have that kind of coincidence. Like, before I got on the show, I was still last. And, like, they noticed, you know what. But his, but they were playing Russian roulette because it was three artists that went before me. And Alicia had one more spot left. And had she turned her chair for those three artists, bro, yeah. we wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. So there is autonomy among the, the, the judges to actually, yeah. to actually choose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, man. I watched that moment today when I was getting ready for you to come in. I watched it and I was like, oh, I got cold chills. Right. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Yeah. What would that feel like for you? Did you know when she that she was going to turn around the chair? No, I didn't know. No. I didn't know she was going to turn around. I, I walked in, though. I was extremely confident in the fact that I had prepared. Mm-hmm. And I was excited to have the opportunity. So I was confident in the opportunity more so than I was someone actually turning around yeah. and you know, giving me a shot on yeah. the team. Well, tracks of my tracks of my tears. tears. People say I'm the life of the party because I tell a joke or two. I have to, dude, I, I didn't, first of all, I didn't know the song before um, I went to The Voice. Really? Never heard it, never performed it, never sang it. Who wrote it? Uh, Smokey Robinson. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know everything yeah. about the song now. You didn't yeah, anything I'll, about I'll bet. it. I bet. Yeah. It's the, I mean, it's the song that <laughs> sprung you, right? Changed my life, man. Yeah. yeah. So, so when, when she, so I watched it today. I, I just watched the moment just cause I, I wanted to, I wanted to relive it. And it's like, you're cool as a cucumber, man. <laughs> you cool, cool as a cucumber. You kept going, but that was that you're in at that point. Right. Oh man. Like you're yeah. on the show at that point. It's like, once I got the chair turn, I was, I was like, yeah, I could hit a bad note right now. I could flat out crack yeah. it don't matter I'm on the show bro she turned around yeah. like it's in my contract if she turns around <laughs> I made the show I can pull my pants down at that yeah, point exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying no takesies backsies from As, Alicia exactly. Keys at this point exactly okay so that's it Alicia Keys turned around the rest was history Chris Blue won The Voice in 2017 and then he was nice enough to come to the shop and talk about it with me. What a dude. And we need to catch up with him again, see what he's doing. All right. Next is my man, Michael Figlio Jr. This happened, you know, not too long ago. This, this episode was in the 90s. So this was probably just four or five weeks ago uh, that Fig and I sat down and chatted. It was really a great time because he's one of my best friends, one of my mentors. He's just a dude who is so inspiring and always has the best outlook. It's the Figlio gospel, man. It's just the best. If you're ever feeling bad, you call this man. If you ever need a pro, if you ever need a problem solved, uh, he'll help you solve it, man. He's, he's just the dude. And, uh, yeah, this is, this is my chat, uh, uh, with Fig. So listen to a little bit of Figlio gospel here. Here we go. Well, I see so so many people in in our industry, in the film and TV industry, freelancers especially, you know, I don't want to call them out like this, but there's a lot of people on their second and third marriages because it's hard on a family. The lifestyle is hard on a family. And you know, you couple that with living in a market like Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, where you're driving an hour no matter where you're going. 
I guess kind of what Nashville's becoming a little bit too. Um, you add that on top of it, and it's hard on a it's hard on a family. And if you got young kids, you can't be working twelve hour days and have any part of their life. And I and yeah, and I I used to believe that you know yes, this industry is hard, but it's not the industry. It's the choices we make, right? You know, yeah. Um, uh, there are people, um, albeit fewer than you uh, would imagine, that understand. You know um, that uh, where you put your priorities and your choices make all the difference in the right. world. Yeah. Um, uh, and it, it took me a long time to to figure that out. Um, you know, I, I have actually gone to the point of apologizing to my kids and saying, "I wish I would have done this and spent more time with you earlier." And of course, because it's all they knew, mm-hmm. you know, Dad, we're fine. You know, you did a great job. Well, it seems like you've maintained a great relationship with them because it's main, it's it's uh, continued to be a priority since you were a kid, coming from a good fam- family and passing that down. It's it's you know it's it's mindfulness and, and choices. You yeah. know uh, where do you, you know what is truly important to you, and and that what is truly important to you is where you put your time, your money, you know what what you think about. Yeah, you know all those things become your ideal yeah. and if your ideal is being a filmmaker well that's your priority right and family takes a back seat to that right if your ideal is to um uh, to be a good person okay that doesn't preclude that you can't be a filmmaker <laughs> but you know it, it it allows for um to me a a a bigger breadth of um there's more options of what you can be and more options how you can spend your time and what you have to give you know i, I i've come to a place where i've recognized that and, I, and somebody asked me yesterday on the, on the set you know um, one of the new folks that i've been working that were on set with us yesterday that I hadn't worked with before. What do you really like doing? What type of film work was your favorite? You know, and my stock answer anymore is, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Okay, um, because where I'm at is what I do is not anywhere near as important as who I am when I'm doing it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I don't care about what I'm doing, whether it's a commercial or a, you know, that is inconsequential. Now, who am I doing it with? Who do I get to be around while I'm doing it? What do I get to share? I mean, we as a, as a species, as a, as, uh, as humans, we were designed to be in community. Mm -hmm. We're designed for a relationship. Yep. And until I stop thinking about me and what I want and start thinking about the person in front of me, I, I got no choice, no chance of having any kind of relationship that has any meaning whatsoever. And everybody, you know, it comes back to this. You ask me, how do I motivate people? I don't motivate people. Okay. It's, it's not my way. Um, you want to get the best out of people, make a, make sure they know that they matter. <laughs> It's all we want. <laughs> you make someone feel like they matter and you'll get their best. I don't need to motivate people. I just need to know that, you know, today you, you matter. Do that and watch what happens. So how was that little bit of the Figlio gospel there? It's always good. It'll always take good care of you. He's a wonderful man and I love him. And I'm working with him next week, and I can't wait. All right, next up is uh, Alan Sims, the Knoxville Urban Guy. Alan and I chatted at the end of 2020, and it was a wonderful chat. We had a lot to say about downtown Knoxville, how it was growing, if a baseball stadium was good, if it wasn't good, why can't we develop the other side of the riverfront? We had a lot of really great conversations. But one of the things that came up 
when we were talking was where he lived and he lives right over mass general store. He said that on the podcast. And I said, you don't live in that building where that guy got thrown out of the window. Do you? And he was like, as a matter of fact, I did. So I was downtown, uh, on a Saturday morning, uh, visiting my parents and I looked up and I saw a broken window with blood all over it. Everybody was looking up. It looked like somebody just got yeeted out the window onto gay street. And uh, Alan happened to have some uh, insight on that story, and that uh, that's where we get into it. Let's get into that and, and, and hear that fun anecdote. We moved about a year and a half ago and live um, over Mass General Store now. Okay. My, my parents live right across the street. Oh, um, really? They live in uh, Learner, Learner. Learner Lofts. Yeah. What happened with that window that was busted out with all the blood on it? All right. You want a story? I, I would do I want mean, a story. This is a story. I was walking by. Uh-huh. <laughs> I and saw Surf Pro out at the street it, cleaning it up. It turns out I'm the man to tell the story. Are you really? Because I was were, intimately involved. Or were you really? Yes. Okay. So uh, it was a Saturday morning, I think. And mm-hmm. it, it was, was about, I want to say 5 a.m., Right around that, maybe 4.30, something like that. And all of a sudden, in Gallery Lofts, which is, like I say, above a Mass General Store, the the fire alarm goes off in the middle of the night. This is not smoke detector. That's irritating. This was fire alarm for the building. So, of course, everybody's shaken out of a dead sleep, and we all stumble out into the hallways. And then we hear yelling and screaming, and we're told that there is a man who's in the building uh, who doesn't live there oh. and um and it's just kind of chaotic i hear him screaming and he's screaming obscenities and he's screaming something about uh, i would never hurt her and i'm thinking oh no hurt somebody I, so uh we all kind of scrambled out and i went outside and was the person who placed the the 911 call and I uh, got out on the street, and it was stupid. I, I didn't have my phone. I went out there without shoes on, just like wasn't thinking at all. Separated from my wife, I, I left her on the hallway where she was doing something else. I don't know what she was doing. And so it was kind of crazy. So we got out there, and the guy I was with, one of my neighbors, said, Hey, you want to use my phone to call 911? I said, well, Okay. Thinking, I don't you just you could call nine one one, but I, it's cool. I, in the moment, I didn't even like question. Yeah. It's like, of course I do. So I called nine one one and uh, st- started describing to them what was going on, this screaming and this yelling. And then I was standing under an awning right outside of DIA, um, the architecture firm, it has an entrance onto Gay Street, and I was just under the edge of that awning when I heard an explosion of glass. Mm-hmm. And glass, the whole pain came raining down Mm -hmm. and hit me in the shoulder. And fortunately, the awning took the brunt of it because I still have pain in that shoulder. Really? That that was months ago. From the glass hitting? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it hit, but the adrenaline was flowing so much. I thought, well, that was well, that was close. It cut you or anything like it that? It did. Yeah, oh, so I was, I was bleeding. So I mean, I wasn't bleeding badly. It didn't cut me badly. If I had been not standing under the awning. I might not have been here today. Really? I mean, it was really that that big a deal. Yeah, so that's a third story, right? Yeah. So the guy broke in off the street. He just muscled his way through that doorway. On the on the gay street side? On the gay street side. Okay. And, that, and then went in, and I don't know if he set off the alarm. I think he actually set off the fire alarm himself. He was, he not, was losing it. He yeah. was not with us <laughs> right. that night. Um, I doubt he remembers it. Right. Um, so uh, then he was screaming and yelling, and finally the police got there and talked him down and took him away in an ambulance. Unfortunately, there's a coda to the story, and this is this is a good story. Um, so the coda is that about three weeks later, there was a woman killed in South Knoxville, and he was the guy. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he was. So, or... Huh. I say killed. She was shot. I'm not recalling. You're not sure if she made it or she not. She died or not. But so, how, why did he break the glass? How did the glass get broken? Nobody knows. Nobody and I knows. doubt he knows. Is that was that in in the stairwell? Mm-hmm. Okay. But he did not go through the window, or he, he would have landed on you instead not. of the glass. Uh, yeah. Well, he. I would have been gone by the time he. Well, I guess if he had come through with the glass, yes, he would have landed on me. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they talked him down and, and got him out of there. It was you know it was quite sad. Just thinking, who is this person and what, what has brought them to this moment? 
Yeah, I, I was going to see my parents, and I and I saw the Serve Pro trucks there. That you know, hazmat people, and, and, and he had I, bled all over the the stairwell. It, really, and mm. the window too. Yeah, it, the, there was a hole in the window that was probably about I don't know a couple feet in diameter, mm-hmm. and it looked like somebody went through it. Yeah, I don't think he went through. He didn't. He didn't. He or he would have hit the awning. Right. Yeah. But he uh, but he smashed it. So yeah. you know, I, I guess to to bring it full circle back to downtown and and so forth, um, it, it's just one of those elements of reality you know there yeah the reason i love cities and have since i was a small child i think is because it's the best and worst of everything Mm -hmm. it's it's all of humanity on display you can't pretend everything's perfect um, but you can also get the best of everything in the city you know the best food you know whatever it is right and um, but then there's always that reality Mm -hmm. and this was you know it's one of those real moments and i thought about it later that night i thought you know uh, people tend to think of people in the city as, oh, well, they're soft. Da, 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 da. In a way, it's like we all went back to our condos. Nobody moved. Nobody right. put their place up for sale. Nobody, you know, it's right. like, okay, it's another day in the city. Well, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. And we move on. Yeah. Okay, the, the Alan Sims story is pretty good. Go check out the rest of that episode, too. That was a really good one. If you haven't heard it, we got into some good stuff that uh, some of it has... Since this was a year ago, some of it has started to happen. Some of it has not happened. But we talked about a lot of things about the growth of downtown and talked about how we kind of expected some of those things to go. So check that out. That was a good one. Uh, Okay, the next one is with Curtis Glover. Uh, Curtis Glover and I did two episodes together uh, in the same week. We did one on like a Monday and I had a shoot that day. So I had to get out. We did it in the morning and then I had to be gone by like nine o'clock that morning. And then so we didn't feel like we were done. So we came back later that week and did a podcast together after my kids went to bed. It was a dark, stormy night and uh, you hear the rain in the backdrop of the episode. And then all of a sudden, boom, a tree fell on my house and it was a large Okay, a branch fell on my house. It was a large branch off of a tree that we ended up having to get cut down the next week. But uh, the branch fell on my house. It took the gutter off my house. It damaged my house a little bit. My family was okay and happy. And, uh, but they were all awake because it was so loud. It was, a, it was a good moment because everybody was safe. It's one we can laugh about now. Did some property damage. No big deal. It's what insurance is for. But this was just a good moment that that the patrons liked. So so here it is. It's not too long, but here's the here's the uh, here's the tree falling on my house while I was talking to Curtis Glover. When I met the guy, we hit it off instantly, um, and uh, he was painting next. He did his style next to the, the thing I painted, and uh, his goal, which I thought was really ambitious, his goal, he wanted to uh, was that uh, was that lightning or a crash. Sounded like a tree falling down. Should we go check or? Let's go check on that. <laughs> that sounded awful. Should we take a break or? What, yeah, what we, can we do. Yeah, well, let's do like an ad or something here. If you want to, yeah, if you want to. Let's take a break for a second. I want to see what that was. That sounded terrible. I hope it's not my truck. Yeah, I hope not too. I hope it's not a tree right. falling on my house. All right, take a let's breather. Let's check it out. Yeah, let's take a breather. First. Okay. All right. Uh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so what happened was what the fuck holy this crap. part of the podcast is brought to you by mincer's tree service <laughs> you're gonna who, need it buddy who's gonna be out here tomorrow you can flip that down on this. uh which way is it yeah Am flip I doing it. It the it's, uh, there you go sorry these big dumbo ears there we go okay. got, this, got the surround sound now uh, so like a huge branch just fell on my house yeah like a like a 12 foot branch took late. out my gutter yeah uh <laughs> Replace your divots. Um, yeah, exactly. yeah, just took a chunk out of the gutter, and a shrub broke the fall of the branch, and and the up. rest of the trees sitting on top of my house. Yeah, yeah. woke up the wife and kids, and yeah, uh, woke up everybody. That's yeah. scary, dude. It is scary. Uh, I've had my eye on that tree for a minute. It's not my tree. Yeah. Uh, the way my property's set up, it kind of like butts up to my neighbor's property, and that tree's not even on their radar. But yeah. uh. It's fallen on my house, so I guess we'll have to do something about it tomorrow. I, that's more eventful than probably the stories I'm telling right now. Like, 
that's that was scary because we there was a pause for a second when we heard the crash and uh you know it was like a we were like what the heck was that you know it wasn't a thunder it didn't roll it didn't keep going it was no. just like a and, yeah if we walk outside my wife sticking I'm, her head out like, what was that i'm like move move get out of there jeez oh man like i'm a, glad it's not your truck yeah, <laughs> if that's on the podcast, I'm sorry. I was like, "Oh, what is my?" T-? You're like, "What about my family, dickhead?" Like, uh, I was like, "I don't know." I guess that uh, I didn't mean to offend you saying no, that, no, but you I, did. that was kind of a dick move to say. <laughs> like, like, okay, vehicle over life, whatever, dude. Yeah. Go paint your murals, dickhead. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, well, but, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is definitely part of the narrative now. You, you, you got some real, uh, some that storm noise is paying some real dividends at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's an act of God right now. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Covers insurance. So yeah, we'll see. I feel like, I feel like it's one of those goofy scenarios on like those farmers insurance claims, you know, yeah. where it's just some random scenario. They're like, yeah, we cover that. Yeah. We got it. We got it. We got you. you. Know. <laughs> bum, 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 you know. Well, I hope that's the last of it. I hope we don't have to deal with that again. Well, it's picking up even more now. It is. It's nuts. You know, I've had rain noise on the podcast before, but nothing like this. This is serious business. Okay. If something comes through this garage, man, we had a great run. Yeah, we did. It was a good podcast. Um, I need to to text Sarah where to find the SD card (laughs) for for how to get this aired posthumously. All right, Curtis, I'm glad your truck's okay, buddy. I love Curtis. Uh, He and I have kept in touch pretty well after that, and uh, we always have a good time. He's a good man doing good work. All right, lastly, Cruz Contreras. Cruz from the Black Lilies, or from Cruz Contreras fame. Uh, Cruz came over uh, during the pandemic, and... uh, his son ended up coming over halfway through the episode and I heard somebody stirring around outside and uh, just grabbed his son to come on in and join us. So he did. That's another voice that you'll hear on this, uh, on this one. We talk about the black lilies truck and trailer getting stolen while they were on tour and they were in Houston and got the whole shooting match stolen from their hotel and how that kind of derails a tour for a touring band that's living out of a van in a trailer or working out of a van in a trailer. We talked about that and how that, uh, how that all came back together and what happened there here. I'll let you just hear it. How about that? Here's me uh, talking to my man, Cruz Contreras. I think that year we also did Del Fest, and Del Fest yeah. and High Sierra were connected by the same promoter. Oh, gotcha. And that we were definitely touring a lot then. If we're in California, we're probably doing a month long tour. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. What? So, I remember seeing some kind of post on Facebook from the band around this point. Did a trailer get stolen, full of equipment? Yeah, I'm forgetting the years now. I feel like that's been maybe around around four years ago now. So you're in the middle of a tour. And it, it was in like Texas, that right? That was in Houston. Luckily, it was really very little luck involved. But fortunately for the tour, um, the theft happened after the very last show. No way. The night after the last show on the tour. We were getting ready. We were gonna, We were in Houston. We'd played Conroe, Dosi Doe on a Sunday night. And we were literally going to drive home Monday morning. Mike Seal was going to fly out of the airport. So we kind of veered and found a hotel that was... Close to this airport, I think. Mm-hmm. Is it Hobby Airport? I think they call it, maybe. And um, seemed like we were in a decent place. Turns out we weren't. And uh, woke up six hours later and everything was gone. The tra- They disconnected the trailer Tra- from the no, van? No, they, they got the van, trailer, gear. Um, just like a worst case situation. And it was it's on, it's on, it's on, it's on it camera. Fast. You can see it. Yeah, really? it was two it minutes flat. It was impressive. Flat. I mean, it was like. You've seen the video, coach? Yeah, yeah. It was a. It, it became a. It trended on Facebook. It was a news story. So the Houston, um, you know, affiliates got wind of it, mm-hmm. and they were having like a whole rash of thefts. You know, trailer yeah. band, and uh, you know there was support and interest. And I thought, well, what do we do? Do we just go home? Or I was like, guys, maybe if we do these interviews, we'll get our stuff back. Yeah. You know. 
Did did any of it ever come back? Gradually over time, some of it really? did. And so fact, they found it. They so busted yeah, the people. I wish I had. So there was there was over a hundred arrests made in a organized crime ring that was targeting mm. trailers. So it's our, not our gear didn't come back from that gotcha. arrest, but I think our story was part of that yeah. effort. So it's not hard to tell a band's rig when you see it. You yeah, know what I mean? A van with a trailer, you know, it, and, and you know that there's with, four with the, with the trailers, just like, come and get it. Exactly. I mean, and, and everybody knows there's tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment yeah, it's in pawnable. there. Yeah, or whatever, and it's yeah, it's easy, it's easy to fence, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a huge bummer. But I'm glad that some of it came back. My but guitar that had to be came back. My, my my most important guitar came back Good. to me back in November of so the, there's, of last year. Yeah, dude. This, so there's actually in the summer issue of No Depression, there's a whole article that's been written about a few different acts that have been um, had their gear stolen, and and my guitar story is part of this because of the return of it. And I got a call. It was right around. Beginning of November last year, we were playing in Roanoke, actually uh, Rocky Mount, Virginia, at the Harvester, and I'd done it in studio in Roanoke. And I get um, a Facebook message from someone I don't recognize. And first, I thought maybe it was like a um, a scam or something. But this guy says, "Hi, my name is Robert Gonzalez. I live in Houston. Um, please give me a call. Here's my number." And I checked out his page. It looked legit. And there was a little in the back of my mind. I was like, "I wonder if it could be related." Mm-hmm. And it was. He called me up. He's like, I was at a car wash. I was approached by someone in a car. They were selling a bunch of tools and this guitar. He's like, I bought it for my dad. He's in a Christian band. And then I got it home and I looked in it and there's, he said, there's a card. And what it was, was a lanyard, mm-hmm. uh, Black Lily's All Access. He's like, oh, I looked up your story. And he's like, I want, I want you to have your guitar back. And he gave it back to you? Yeah. That's a 52 Dude. Gibson J, J, J45. That's <sighs> the most, you know important guitar to me and um my uh, i have family in houston my uncle went and met him like the next day and then my uncle i had called my uncle that day unrelated and this is an uncle i talked to like a couple times a year if that i'd called him to see what he was doing for thanksgiving he's like we're going to be in tennessee and um when i he called me back that afternoon i was like well i was calling you about thanksgiving but i got a whole nother reason now (laughs) And he's, you got to be kidding me. Cause he's like, when I got that guitar, I had chills. He's like, I'm not letting anybody touch this guitar. And yeah. he delivered it. And on Thanksgiving with my family, I got that guitar back and we had a big Dude. jam session. And, um, I it was, that's amazing. It Bruce. is. And it's like, you kind of think, well, am I going to still like it? Oh man. Yes. Yeah. I hadn't thought about another guitar for one second. All right. That's it. SOS 100 is in the books thanks to all of you who have made this happen thanks to uh, those of you that continue to support us on patreon and thanks to you guys uh thanks to the listeners who sent in their favorite moments of of sos 1 through 99 we couldn't do it without all of you guys i appreciate you so much thanks so much to producer sam thanks to all of you guys take care of each other take care of yourselves We'll see you real soon, all right? Pitch wire. Play me out.